Dead of Winter is about an actress who's lured to a secluded mansion surrounded by snow, under the promise of a role in a movie. She slowly realises that she's been held captive by two strangers, but the reasons why are surprisingly complicated. Let's dive in to Dead of Winter. Welcome everyone to Screams After Midnight, I am Peter, and joining me as always with the freshly touched up moustache is Tim. Peter, are we just going to record a podcast with your brother right there? <laughs> this is a horror movie podcast. We get together and we talk about a movie, and this is the awkward episode at the end of December <laughs> that's after Christmas, but it's not January yet. And we want to do something vaguely seasonal, so it was like, okay, winter. A winter horror movie. Not a Christmas horror movie, because we're past Christmas, mm. but a winter horror movie. And of course, uh, we, we landed on Dead of Winter, which is what we're here to talk about <laughs> today. So uh, that's what we're going to get into. We'll start spoiler-free, of course. We'll give you a warning before we get to spoilers. And before we get started, I'll just tell everyone, if you enjoy the show, hit the like button if you're on YouTube. It helps out a bunch. And if you want to support us, you can do that over at patreon.com slash TV and get a bonus episode every month and maybe some other bonuses uh, to be announced soon. And also, before we get started, I just want to say uh, we're bouncing around some ideas for some possible New Year's Eve movies to do. And uh, there's one we're thinking about that we decided against. And uh, I did start watching it. And oh. uh, let's just say that it's a probably a good thing <laughs> that we didn't <laughs> do it. Oh, yeah, because a New Year's movie for this week would have been perfect. Mm. But we've done mm. we've done New Year's Evil. We've done Terror mm. Train. Uh, we even did Bloody New Year, which was really, really shit. But <laughs> like, there's no New Year's horror movies left. So mm. we're left with winter. We're left with dead of winter. So let's <laughs> get into the show, shall we? Uh, mm. Uh, basic premise of Dead of Winter is that Mary Steenburgen, if I'm saying her name correctly, uh, is it Burgeon maybe? Steenburgen? Is it soft? I thought it was Steenburger, so. Burger? You got me. <laughs> no, it's definitely an N at the end. Yeah. Uh, I was a little hungry. Uh, that's fair enough. Uh, who I mainly know from Back to the Future Part 3, but, uh, later on saw... Hey. Yeah. Well, come on, curb your enthusiasm, no? <laughs> Well, yeah, I was going to say, later on, I okay, saw her in okay. Your Enthusiasm as Ted Danson's right. wife, because she is, in <laughs> fact, Ted Danson's wife. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but Lucky SLB. But, like, I, I knew her from Back to the Future 3 for, like, a decade mm. plus before I got to Your Enthusiasm, Tim. Come on. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. So she, she's an actress in the movie, and she takes this gig that leads her out to a secluded mansion in the middle of winter, and she may or may not be held captive for reasons which we can't get into until spoilers but there's a lot to it <laughs> there's, there's, mm -hmm. there's a whole backstory to it but uh so luckily they send in the stars to uh rescue her <laughs> uh, the stars uh a police team from raccoon yeah. city yes yeah. <laughs> very good very good hey, you say you say abandoned mansion in the middle of the woods it's the first thing i'm i'm, I'm going to yeah. By the way, you know, at some point we should do um, an episode where we review basically just the the live action movie scenes from the first Resident Evil game. I think I would enjoy that more than doing the actual live action Resident Evil movies. 
Oh, absolutely. Yeah, we'll never do those movies. <laughs> <laughs> Screw them. I think, we, did we do the first one? I forget. No, no. We, we did. Oh, thank God. We did Welcome to Risk City, the newest one. Uh, we did like do a commentary <laughs> track for the first Resident Evil movie. That's right. Once yeah, Upon a Time. Familiar. Uh, which mm. is not something we do anymore because we basically stopped coming mm. up with movies to do commentary tracks for. Uh, maybe once in a blue moon. Maybe it'll be a special occasion occasionally. But it, Throw money at us and <laughs> we'll pretty much do anything. So, <laughs> But that was uh, back when the commentaries were a thing for a little bit. That was one of the movies mm-hmm. we did. Um, so... Anywho, uh, yeah. I'm surprised people liked listening to us. I, I can't imagine listening to us and watching a movie. <laughs> <laughs> Depending on the movie, it may make the movie more bearable, Tim. That's fair, that's fair. Uh, I think the problem is, though, is that are we willing to do the, the really, really bad movies that we've already seen to give people... Mm. Uh, oh, that's tough. That's you know, a tough call. <laughs> although, now that I'm saying this, I'm just it's, a, it's dawning on mm. me that people would probably hit an extremely high goal to get us to do a commentary for the boy. I just... The, the, <laughs> I just... I thought you were going to say Leprechaun, but uh, the boy... Oh, yeah, yeah, oh be... Leprechaun. I feel like I, <laughs> I feel like they'd buy it at a high price, Tim. Either way. <laughs> I will Yeah, I mean, it's funny, because obviously I would do that for free, but then you would probably be <laughs> way up there, so... Yeah. Still have to devote some time to it, though, Tim. It's not... Mm-hmm. Yeah, don't... Uh, they're, they're they're very long movies. <laughs> uh, well, I'm not. I, mean, uh, I watch them at half speed. Are they complicated for you, Tim? <laughs> I just like them to last as long as possible. <laughs> Does it almost make Warwick Davis's accent sound Irish? <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't have an Irish accent. He has a leprechaun accent. Come on. <laughs> Very different things. What is a leprechaun accent? There's no such thing as a leprechaun accent. Yeah, that's, it's Warwick Davis. <laughs> that's bullshit. You can't just make up new accents to explain why he's bad at an accent. That's not, that's not what the rules. We're here to talk about Dead mm. or Winter of Time. Serious business. That's right, yeah. Very serious movie. Right. <laughs> Tim, what did you think of Dead or Winter? Just that's the damn question. Uh, I can't take you seriously with that moustache. It's just a so distracting. <laughs> I need to look over here. Um, <laughs> uh, sorry, I was thinking of a, a very dumb joke. Okay. Um, yeah, what did I think of Dead of Winter? I I feel like maybe I, we should apologize <laughs> to our listeners. Because, uh, I don't know, they're probably going to try to watch this movie. And <laughs> it's it's not the worst thing in the world like it probably saying it up to sound like it's horrible but i just thought it was incredibly boring like the the overall plot itself is not bad and i actually think like you know the people in it you know mostly get pretty good uh you know performances you know my girl uh you know mary uh you know she's she's doing a pretty good job there and uh you know the i guess there's some twists and turns if you, you want to call it that uh and uh, oh and they, hey you have the the dad from boy meets world shows up which is, you know is always a fun <laughs> guy to see um you know whenever you see anyone from bmw that's always a, a treat <laughs> you can't call it bmw people associate that acronym <laughs> with something else <laughs> um but yeah i don't know jeez uh this is gonna be one of those tough ones i, I honestly i like like, I don't know if I have, like, a ton to say about it, because I, I just thought it was kind of dull and didn't really leave much uh, an impression on me. Uh, I, I, it is 
pretty wintry, I, I guess. Like, you know, there's definitely scenes of a lot of snow and stuff. So, um, you know, that was, you know, that made me feel good. Made me want to reach for a, a hot cup of cocoa. Um, I'm glad you said cup of cocoa. Oh, yeah. No, we we don't. Uh, ever since Grand Theft Auto, we, we can't even think about hot coffee. The implications are too much, too much. Yeah, that's the joke I was making. Yeah, sure. Um, what, I was going to say hot cup of semen or something, you sick freak? <laughs> no, I, that, I was just implying... Oh, my Garfield's owner? <laughs> I was just implying cock, Tim. Just cock. Not, oh, okay. not a cup of anything. <laughs> a cup of cock, Jesus Christ. No, no, you said it made you want to reach for... Oh, okay. Never mind, never mind. Never mind, look. Let's reel it in a little bit here. Let's reel it in. It's end of the year. We're a little silly. We, uh, you know, we got our Christmas break coming up soon. Uh huh. Uh, so this. <laughs> All right. You 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 give your general feelings. Uh, my my general feelings. It sucked. <laughs> oh wow wow wow. Okay. It was fine. It was okay. Yeah. My my feelings were is that it was perfectly fine. Perfectly okay. I don't think it's a bad movie, but I don't think it was a particularly engaging movie either. It's actually got a pretty crazy plot when you actually stop and break down what's actually happening in it. But it is definitely directed in a very... I don't know, a very, like... It, 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 it veers to more towards thriller, I suppose, than it does horror. Do you know what it reminded me a lot of? Sure. It made me think a lot of misery, right? Yeah, it, oh, totally. So, yeah. Someone's trapped with someone who they think is friendly at first, but as the movie goes on, they realize they're in danger. You know, it's, it's very misery, mm-hmm. kind of. And it's, it's, you know, yeah. it predates the, well, the movie, A Misery. I don't know if the book was already out. Probably was, but. It's probably around this time. Yeah. Because this is 1987. We've not said that yet. I'll, yeah. it's worth mentioning. Uh, so, mm-hmm. yeah. You know, I, I think, you know, Steam. Yeah, like- yeah, on you go, on you go. Well, yeah. <laughs> like you know what it kind of feels like to me is it's like it has a pretty decent plot and like some decent actors and stuff but i don't know if this was actually in theaters but it feels like a made for tv movie for me like it like in the, mm. the look and stuff and i don't know i feel like if you take the same plot and um you know the same uh actors and everything but maybe tighten it up just a smidge and actually get maybe a little bit more of a you know director with a bit more interesting visual style or, or something just to kind of you know plus it up a bit then i think you could really have something but yeah as is it just feels like maybe like typical like almost like a lifetime movie or, or something which doesn't necessarily have to be a bad thing like those things can be enjoyable but um you know, didn't rock my world or anything yeah the direction's just kind of dull and i think that's it's a shame because there's those moments that are kind of interesting and there's mm-hmm. some crazy plot elements that it does get into uh, in terms of other cast members that are worth mentioning, uh, Roddy McDowell's in it, who most people might not know his face as much, but he was actually the main actor who played a lot of the, the, the main apes in the classic Planet of the Apes movies. Uh, he's in here, so that's someone to, to look out for. Um, mm-hmm. it, it, yeah, I, I think it, it, it definitely holds back at certain points when it could be doing more interesting things. And I definitely found myself thinking, oh, if this was like... I don't know. Who's who's a, who's like a, a thriller or horror director of this time period that would have been really good? John here? Carpenter. <laughs> yeah, I guess John Carpenter. Maybe Brian De Palma. I could see this. Hey, Catherine Bigelow. I, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't think she was known for these types of movies. Admittedly, I mean, she did do Near Dark, to be fair. Mm, but, no. but um, 
Toby Hooper. <laughs> Toby! <laughs> you're naming directors you're thinking of, though. <laughs> it's a little early, but I could see Rob Zombie taking a crack at this. Well, it just Rob Zombie in 1987. <laughs> <Wait>. <laughs> it's probably a little bit older, because his music was a thing in the mid-90s, I think. Yeah. But... Yeah, he's probably at least, like, I don't know, in his late teens, maybe early 20s. Mm. Robert. <coughs> Robert Zombie. Kazoom type. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think there'll be enough interesting stuff to talk about in the movie when we're going through the plot, but it's mm. definitely not something that's left me with, like, a strong feeling where I'm like, oh, this is this crazy movie you have to see, or this is this really engrossing movie you have mm. to see. It it feels like it... It probably would have it, been... I mean... It, I'm go. sorry, it... it yeah, I mean, there's probably, like, a reason that this... You don't see this brought up as, like, a... Oh, a hidden little cult classic that no one's ever heard of. Like, that you gotta check it out. Like, you know... There's... Like, I mean, I don't know. I don't, I don't Maybe it is secretly beloved. But I don't think I've ever heard anyone talk about it. And honestly, I could probably bet pretty decent money that I'll probably never hear anyone mention this movie again. <laughs> I actually had heard of it because there was uh -huh. a... No, I had, because there was a, a Blu-ray line that was being put out. And admittedly, I don't think this fits in this line, but it was the Slasher mm. Classics collection, and this was, like, number 10 in that, mm. in, in that collection. And there was other stuff there that made sense. There was, like, Sleepaway Camp 2, for example, was in that set, yeah. and that made sense. Uh, I think they were just like, oh, we've, we can get the rights to this. I, I guess we can kind of pretend it's a slasher movie it's not yeah. it's really not a slasher no, movie no. but uh, you know i could see where okay someone's mm -hmm. holding a knife i guess that counts <laughs> sure yeah <laughs> that'll do so yeah um i yeah i look it it's, it's not that this is the sort of movie where we see these types of movies every year movies that are just okay they're not good mm -hmm. they're not bad they're just fine and mm -hmm. they don't tend to stand the test of time so it is kind of interesting to go back and discover one of these from an earlier like, sure. time period because, you know, I wasn't alive yet. You were like, I don't know, one. One. <laughs> <laughs> so, we, you know, we, these movies don't Although I do recall my, my mother sitting me in front of the TV and saying, now watch Dead of Winter. <laughs> <laughs> does, that, does that count as child cruelty? <laughs> I mean, if that's a child cruelty, then should see some of the things I let my kids watch. <laughs> Just walk in Serbian films playing on the TV. <laughs> keeping Wyatt distracted. <laughs> no, I, I think seeing these types of middling films from earlier eras, because you don't tend to see them as much because no one's talking about them. You talk about the great movies or the good movies, and you talk about the terrible movies that have sort of got a bit of a, you know, a, like, oh, they've got a reputation for being so bad. But... Yeah. This type of stuff is, is this is very middling. You know, it's an MGM movie. Mm -hmm. It's a studio-made movie. It looks and feels like one, which is a good thing to a point because it feels like it has production value, but it also mm. does feel kind of in the bland, like, te territory of that. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's yeah, kind of makes you like wonder, like, what you know, movies that like came out this year or the last couple of years that may maybe ones that we even reviewed that like will end up being like that. Yeah, it's well weird stuff that you know who who be thinking about this in four to five years. Well, I think that's the point though is that it's not weird. It's just it's, it's the non weird stuff. It's the stuff that's going to be forgotten at the time. 
And just to test right, your right. theory, Tim, I'm bringing up the podcast feed so I can okay. I can pick some. <laughs> Hold on. Uh, so it's loading. Oh, yeah, come on, on Paintcast. Oh, thank you. All right. So <laughs> from the last year, mm-hmm. I will say that oh, you were in paternity leave for a lot of the years, so it's kind of a weird. But I'll look at the previous year. <laughs> I'm looking at 2022. Yeah, yeah, that's probably better. Yeah, yeah. Um. Oof. Uh, let me see here. I would take a guess and say that. Uh, oh, to be fair, we we kind of dodged a lot of the dull ones. I right, see if I go a bit further. I mean, maybe back. we only do bangers. I mean, that's possible. <laughs> I, I don't think that's true. I think we do some stinkers. <laughs> but, no, I'm thinking like, uh, what was that one? Is it a turning? Was that a movie we did? With a kid was that the who... one that was like an adaptation of uh, the turning of the screw? Or... Oh, maybe. Maybe that's not the one I'm thinking of then. Was that the one with Finn Wolfhard, I think, isn't it? That's, yeah, yeah, that's the one you're... That's, that's, that's the title I've said, but that's not the movie I'm thinking of. It's oh, okay, okay. It's the one with uh, the, the kids possessed, and there's like a scene mm-hmm. where they go to therapy, and the kid scares the shit out of the, the, the therapist. It's a really dull movie, and I don't, I don't remember anything else. I can picture the, the poster in my head, but not the title, annoyingly. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it's not even <laughs> popping up in my head, so yeah, that's maybe a good one. Then. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I'm sure we've done a ton of these over the last few, yeah. few years. Like, I, you know, is, is anyone going to remember... I keep seeing sequels. Like, Yummy. Do you remember Yummy, Tim? No, not at all. <laughs> you don't remember Yummy? That was a zombie movie at the like plastic surgery building. It was a foreign oh, movie. Oh, right, yeah. right, right. Okay, actually, well, yeah, not horrible, but yeah, I like. I mean, maybe needs a better title or something. <laughs> you don't remember it though. Uh, what, <laughs> what about the wretched? Uh, was that the one where like they were in a, uh, where like the the guys in like. Kind of like a like a summer lake, kind of area. Oh, or no, or was that the one with like the mom that was um, uh, like suffering from dementia or something? <laughs> no, I think dementia. You're thinking a relic. I want to see. No, relic. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, gee, yeah, yeah. I don't <laughs> see, know. <laughs> Wretched. Points have been made. One br or one bedroom, depending on how you say it. Okay, I mean that at least that one I I, I remember what movie that is. Like it's not a movie sure. that I ever think of oh, at all. But I found it. The Turning. Okay. That's the one I was trying to remember. Okay, yeah. I can't tell you anything else about it. <laughs> it's called The Turning. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um. Yeah. I don't know. Like mm. we, we do these movies, right? We 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 see these mm-hmm. movies from time to time. Uh. Or even hell, this year's Boogeyman. Like, is anyone going to be talking about that Boogeyman movie? In five years, I mean, I don't think so. I mean, like, not many people probably. Um, it's like everything you know has its fans, so there probably will be people that will go to bat for the movie. But yeah, I don't think it'll be it'll remain in like the larger pop culture consciousness, you know. Or at the very least, if it does, it'll be because it's people who like it are probably people who are all, like, 13 now. It was probably, like, an early sure. teens, like, oh, this is, like, our yeah. first spooky movie, so we kind of liked it. Uh, but to anyone who's seen, like, a handful yeah. of them, it was pretty, you know, derivative and repetitive and the same old shit. Yeah, and, like, 
stuff like that will probably always have at least some kind of life because of the people involved and it's based on a Stephen King story. So like, you know, there'll always be lists that'll be like, Oh, 10 underseen Stephen King movies or, or uh, something like that, that, you know, it, it could be on. So, um, but yeah, I mean, if you took that stuff away, if it was just a movie on its own, I, I wouldn't think that it's very memorable. But. Yeah, I mean, maybe it kind of lasts in memory just a little bit mm-hmm. because someone from Yellow Jackets is in it. Maybe that'll right give it a little bit of cachet. And then, yeah, and then, and I guess the other kind of larger question is the age of streaming. Does it make things like last longer than they normally would have? Because it's like, yeah, like you take something like you know, Dead of Winter. If this was a movie that just existed on you know, like VHS or DVD and you had to actually go out and either rent it or, or buy it or something like, you know, would it be, I mean, uh, not like this is a movie that's getting talked about that much, but like, would it be something that we even would have checked out or have done, you know? It's, it's funny. Cause I feel like streaming in a way does make it possible for to movies to be remembered. But I would argue that the sea of movies that they get thrown into is so mm-hmm. polluted and so, vast that it's much harder to actually be noticed in the first place and be remembered because i i feel like the, the boogeyman if, if that didn't have the other things that made people check it out mm-hmm. at the time and you throw that into the sea of tubi movies that have uh, the boogeyman returns and <laughs> boogeyman <laughs> apocalypse and whatever other crap movies are on right. there it would probably just fade into the the overall obscurity of everything you know yeah like there has to be a balance between uh accessibility and um disposability like yes it's good that everything is accessible but when everything is accessible like you know it is does it make everything feel less like oh i'm you know like it like it feels just more like disposable like stuff you can just throw on and not pay attention to or forget about versus a time when you you know you would make an appointment to sit down and watch a movie and kind of take it in you know it's uh, it's why i still like buying or blind buying even stuff on itunes mm-hmm. is because if i paid for it and i bought it and i own it i make more of an effort to give it attention and me too yeah you know <laughs> really give it a proper chance and even if i do end up hating that at least you know i can't i can't I, I don't have to worry that i wasn't properly trying it you know i, I like at least i know yeah. for sure mm-hmm. that I, I just didn't like it uh, i was looking at the director of this movie dead of winter uh as we were talking there now, he actually is an acclaimed director. He made Bonnie and Clyde, which oh. is a very well-done film. Oh, wow. Very, you know, uh, renowned and all that. But uh, clearly, I don't know if it's just because this is later in his career. Obviously, he's an old man by this point. Or, mm. and, you know, some directors do kind of, I don't know, they get more safe, I guess, as they're getting older. Uh, we've seen it sure. time and time mm. again. Or if it's just a case of this is just not the type of movie that he, you know, he, he's, you know the strengths aren't in this sort of thriller, almost horror-type movie. He's more of a mm-hmm. a character director, and you know maybe that's mm-hmm. why. Maybe that's why. But um, he's done some big stuff in the past, so I just, I wanted to point that out just in case people heard to say the direction and this isn't very good, um, mm-hmm. and people might uh, you know feel like we're sort of just writing him off. <laughs> um, but yeah, so the last thing he did was uh, an episode of a TV show in two thousand one. Uh, unsurprisingly, he has been passed away for a while. He died died in twenty ten. So, anyway. All right, we ready for spoilers? That was Dead of Winter. <laughs> sure. All right, spoilers for Dead of Winter. You've been warned, everyone. So, 
let's try and I feel like I should do an overview of what the entire plot is first, just to try and explain, because I feel like it'd be, it'll be mm-hmm. really confusing or annoying trying to go through the scenes and not and try and like withhold parts of the information that's supposed to be sure, secret. Sure, sure. So mm-hmm. the first scene of the movie is an extended opening where uh, a mysterious woman is and we see her like sort of going to a train station and getting something out of a safety deposit box it's a bag of money and she's in a car and she's being mm-hmm. followed by someone and i i was convinced this was mary steenbergen and it turned out it was but i didn't i i, I thought <laughs> i'd been corrected on that for a while because mm-hmm. this woman dies at the end of this big sequence you know the, the, a killer sneaks in the back of her car and strangles her to death and then cuts off one of her fingers mm-hmm. after she's died and that sequence is mostly all right. Uh, you know, it's, it's just some stalking yep. scenes. There's her in the, the phone booth late at night. It's kind of moody. There's snow everywhere. You know, you know, this, if, if anything, this is maybe the most horror movie sort of segment of the, of the whole film is this uh, opening <laughs> sequence. But this... Yeah, I, I would say, like, at least this kind of opening scene, it had a little bit of atmosphere, I feel like, more than, you know, most of the movie. Yeah, it sets you up for a movie where someone's going to be stalking and killing people. And mm-hmm. that's not what the movie actually is. This is just like a, a prologue to what the, the story is. But it, it cuts to her main character. It cuts to Julie, played by Mary Steenbergen. And she's an actress living in New York. And she's got an audition that day. And I saw her here, and she's got very different hair. And I thought, oh, maybe that wasn't her in the opening scene. Because it, it does make a point of hiding and obscuring her face in that opening. Mm-hmm. You know, you just see her from behind. You see her maybe like a slightly unside view. It, you know, it makes it not 100% clear that it's her. So, mm-hmm. basically, the plot of this movie is that she goes to an audition, and the guy played by Roddy McDowell, right, he's Mr. Murray, mm-hmm. he immediately look, looks enchanted by her and says she's perfect. And he then pitches her that he was that he knows someone working on a movie where the lead actress pulled out, and she needs to be replaced, even though they're already halfway sh- through shooting the movie. And she looks identical to this woman. And you're like, oh, okay, maybe that was her in the opening scene. Like in terms of the actress, right? Mm-hmm. She, this was her playing the other character, and now she's been roped into this, into this movie. So she takes this job. She's driven to this remote house upstate New York. It's the middle of a winter storm, snow. The car doesn't start the next day. The phone appears to be dead. But what's actually happening here is this old therapist doctor who's in a wheelchair. Who and this is his house. And how how many's helper here, Mr. Murray, played by Roddy McDowell, they have lured this woman into this trap because they want to convince another woman that the woman (laughs) who was murdered in the opening scene is not actually murdered because they're trying to blackmail her for money in relation to a murder that happened years ago that was witnessed by the original woman in the opening scene. Mary Steenburgen <laughs> plays three different people in this movie. She plays the mm-hmm. murdered woman at the start. She plays the main character mm-hmm. of Julie. And then the sister who is being blackmailed by mm-hmm. the therapist and Mr. Murray is the sister of the woman at the start, is also played by Mary Steenburgen. So she's playing all three of these roles in this movie. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so... There's a lot going on there, Ted. <laughs> I'm just imagining <clears throat> the uh, the trailer that would be like, <laughs> you know, going through like the the actors and it'll be like Roddy McDowell and Mary Steenburgen and Mary Steenburgen and Mary Steenburgen. Like it's one of those like cheesy like Eddie Murphy <laughs> movies or something. 
Yeah, except for the fact that they've probably tried to hide it with this one because it's meant to be a surprise, meant to be a twist. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm joking, obviously. <laughs> I, I know, I'm not, I'm just, I'm you know, I, I feel like they were probably very much like, oh, no, no, we're not going to tell them that. But this is going to be a huge shock when it turns out to be her again. Mm-hmm. And then her again yeah. <laughs> as the movie as the movie rolls on because there's a scene so they do a whole thing where they have her up to the house for the day and then they make her memorize these lines and the next day they're shooting like an audition tape with her and this new haircut a new wardrobe mm-hmm. and the idea is, is this director of the film is going to come and see this tape later on and this is like an audition tape they're going to show him but after this scene happens, and we don't get to hear everything she says, we get to hear a little bit of it. It sounds like she's doing like a dramatic monologue or something. But after this scene happens, and this is where the movie, you realise, oh shit, there's something convoluted going on here. Because after this happens, Roddy McDowell takes the car that's not supposed to be working, he takes the car and drives it to an unknown place, an unknown address, and there's a mysterious Mm. woman watching from a window. And Roddy McDowell puts the tape in the letterbox. This woman gets the tape puts the tape into the into her VCR and we see what the monologue was and it, the twist here or reveal here is that the monologue she was told to learn is her talking about what happened to the woman in the opening scene she talks about being mm. attacked in a car about being strangled about waiting for someone at a phone booth but then this killer getting her and after that monologue finishes and we never see this woman who's watching we only see her from the back of the mm. chair once that monologue's done, it switches to a recording of the old therapist man. And he's like, ah, you see, she is still alive. The game continues. <laughs> and I'm like, what the hell is this movie about? <laughs> I came into this for just, there's a woman trapped in a mansion and a, a serial mm. killer's trying to get to her. And I've got some weird convoluted plot where there's like mastermind games going on. But this <laughs> old man who likes to play chess is blackmailing mm-hmm. someone and you know it, it, they clarify it a bit more as the movie goes on but this scene was like okay what is this movie like we're we're gonna hit weird territory now yeah i mean I, I will give the movie some credit it's definitely not what i expected like i was expecting something a little more straightforward and it you know definitely does have some twists and turns for sure but uh, i mean it, it's kind of a shame because like as you're explaining it it's like oh like this does sound kind of cool but again i, I think it's just uh, maybe a product of the, the filmmaking or something that I don't know. As you're watching it, it's not like doing that as much for me. It's just. I mean, I think the word for it just t- a little more dull. Yeah, I think the word for it, Tim, is dry. It just feels too dry. Like it dry is a good word. It, yeah. It's doing all these crazy things technically, but it's it's so dry as it's doing them that it's hard to like be like, "Whoa, this is crazy!" Or this is this is doing all this exciting stuff. And, yeah. You know, and 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 I don't think anyone's doing like a, a bad job. Like uh, again, you know, these are all like you know like pretty good actors and stuff so they're not like phoning it in or anything it's just yeah maybe the the direct visually it might have needed like a a little work or something or like even you know like the you know the mansion where most of the movie takes place i I felt like it was a really boring location like it just felt very like empty and, and drab you know like if you compare it to something like you know the shining or something where it's like you know it's not like it was you know the the overlook hotel it's not like super crazy or funky colors but it does feel so like interesting just looking at like you know the carpet and the walls and stuff on there and and obviously like you know krubik is a you know a a master and you know very detail oriented and stuff so not you know maybe that's an unfair advantage but just compare it like something like that what you know 
where this the the scenery and stuff was very dull. Yeah, I felt it. I assumed because of the name, it was going to make more use of the fact that that they're surrounded by a winter snowstorm. And, oh sure, yeah. And I feel like it was like what one or two times that like she runs out in the snow or whatever yeah, she, or that we get a scene in the snow. She tries to escape once or twice, and she ends up like passing out of the cold because it's so freezing outside. And that's fine. Mm-hmm. Like I get that the snowstorm is what's making it hard hard for her to just run away. Like that's fine. Okay, so that's mm-hmm. that's what's keeping her there. Uh, you know, aside from the two men that are kind of holding her secretly captive. Um, I think mm-hmm. some of the beats of the film, though, are just kind of dull. Like, I think particularly, like, her, her first several signs that something's not quite right, where she finds that uh, there's photographs of, like, the, the, the murdered woman who looks like her, and mm-hmm. the old man explains it as, oh, you know, yeah, she did have a psychotic break and she killed herself. It's like, okay, I guess mm-hmm. that that would explain it. But then she finds like her own driver's license in the fireplace and then checks her wallet and like everything's missing, like all of her identification's mm-hmm. all gone. And naturally mm-hmm. she's getting more scared at this point. But honestly, this portion of the film where she's slowly learning that she has to be scared and that these people are bad and mean her harm. That that mm-hmm. for me was actually the the most boring part, bizarrely. Even that should be yeah. the most exciting part. That should be the part that's super tense. And instead it felt like it was going through its motions. Mm-hmm. Uh so I I don't really have much to say about that really, it, mm-hmm. you know it, uh, yeah. Hold on, there was something I wanted to get to, but I can't remember what it was now. Uh, I don't know thoughts and feelings on I all mean, that stuff, Tim. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I think another part that was like a little tough to deal with <clears throat> was um, I never felt like the two people that were keeping her trapped there, like seem very threatening to mm. me like I, they obviously are because you know <laughs> they've done some messed up stuff and then she does like you know kind of, she does fight them and stuff at the end so but also at the same time like they're just kind of like two old guys like you know it like it, it seemed like you know it wouldn't be impossible to like overtake them or you know use stuff to your advantage um and maybe one of the most effective scenes to me i thought was when the cops came and um you know and and they were you know because she manages to get a like a call out to the police or whatever and and they come to to check on her and you know the therapist guy is just you know explains to him that she's one of uh his patients and you know she's just off her meds and acting crazy and stuff like i thought that was an effective scene where it did you did kind of feel the the helplessness and trap you know uh the trapidiness of uh you know the, the situation where it's like oh um the trap system yeah she yeah <laughs> but uh, i thought that was like effective with yeah showing that like oh like she's so close to you know what she should be you know being saved but the um you know guys convincing enough that the cops uh you know think that you know he's telling the truth and stuff even though they do kind of explore a little bit, yeah, like, yeah, typical horror movie kind of thing where they don't actually find any of the stuff she's talking about, like the the dead corpse and, yeah. and stuff. So yeah, that's a little bit later in the film, but it kind of caps off like what's effectively a lot of gaslighting. They just keep gaslighting her and yeah. does it, oh, mm-hmm. you're 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 crazy. There's nothing to worry about. There's this, there's that, mm-hmm. um, and it all kind of boils down to the they kind of after she tries to escape the first time, uh, the drugger. And she passes out in her room after barricading the door, and it turns out that the uh, the mirror is like a secret door. So 
Roddy McDowell comes in and you, you don't quite know what he's going to do. They kind of teased it earlier by having him, like him and the old guy were talking about sharpening a knife. So they kind of seed mm-hmm. this earlier. But he comes in and we don't know what he does until she wakes up in the morning and there's like a little bit of blood like on the on the bed. And she's also been changed into her pajamas. So, that, so he undressed her and dressed her again. So just to make you feel a bit squeamish about the whole thing. Yeah. But she basically notices a bandage on her hand and her finger's missing. It's the same mm. finger that was cut off of the, the victim at the start. Mm. And at this point, we know that she's meant to be this... Like she's, She wasn't auditioning for a movie role. She was auditioning to be this woman who was killed because mm. it benefits these two guys, particularly the old man, if someone else thinks she's alive. So mm-hmm. she's missing a finger now. And when she ends up mm. streaming top of her lungs and whatever else and she she gets out of the the secret entrance and she she gets to the phone and she she talks to her, her husband first because we didn't even mention she has a husband that's the the guy from mm-hmm. uh bmw, BMW. yes <laughs> <laughs> but he he uh is um like he's like okay like okay can you tell me where you are and she doesn't really know exactly where she is but she she knows she was on the you know she was on the motorway for X amount of time. She knows that the gas station gave them a free goldfish after they, they got <laughs> they got fuel. Such a weird detail. Yeah, but of course it's going to be important later because when the husband's looking for her, mm-hmm. he's going to get given a goldfish and realize that he's in the right town. So he's like, yes, right, yeah, yeah, you know, <laughs> on, onwards and upwards. But he's like, hey, call the police and tell them what you've told me. And I did sort of stop and think about it. I went, you know. You would probably call the police first. That would be like if you if you realize you could call out for help, wouldn't nine one one be the first thing you call out for before you call your husband? But for you know, it's not a big thing. Maybe mm-hmm. some people would call their spouse first. I don't know. Like at the very least, like I would assume that I don't know exactly how it works, but like if you're calling nine one one, it's probably going to some kind of like local, you know, uh calling center or, or something uh-huh. that hopefully they're a little closer and, and maybe might know a little bit more what you're talking about when trying to pinpoint the location versus yeah you're talking to your husband and it's just like what goldfish like what are you talking about <laughs> yes he's very confused and she's not been able to call mm-hmm. him since she left and he's been very worried they were mm-hmm. kind of fighting before she left because he he seemed to yeah. be very upset she was taking the job so i i, I think this whole thing does lead to that that police scene because she, she they explain to her what she's there for uh, once they catch her, mm-hmm. uh, and she at this point she's found the dead body and honestly it's not a good prop like there's like a fake dead body of <laughs> it was meant to be the yeah. woman at the start of the movie so it's like a a copy of her and it does look kind of fake and kind of shit but uh, she sees this obviously that freaks her out and after she finds the body they're they're giving her more drugs and they're they're treating her her wound. And that's when the police arrive and we get the scene you were talking about where, like, mm-hmm. they just gaslight her and it makes her feel even help- more helpless and frustrated because, like, they have, like, he has documents for, because this, this other woman that looked like her was his patient. And that's part of the mm-hmm. backstory is that that's how he met her, is that this woman was one of her, one of his patients and she told him about this murder she witnessed that was to do with her sister. And that's where all the blackmail stuff come from. So he, he, so that's the thing, as much as you say, wouldn't the police, like, take her away just in case he whips out mm-hmm. documentation saying that she's been submitted to him that that she is under his care it. and it's like okay this is like getting to a point where it is relatively convincing um i think at this point i was like oh just say to them please like mm. arrest me like slap one of the policemen and just get arrested yeah. and have them take <laughs> you to the, the, the jail cell because at least then once yeah. you've sobered up from whatever they've given you you can explain it better and 
that's a good yeah, idea. You'll be safe. And uh, I, I, believe, I think she was also drugged uh, at this point, so she's also kind of yeah. like starting to kind of fade, which yeah, it doesn't help her case when yeah, it's making her seem like a little loopier. You know? Yeah. And what's worse is that when they put her back up in her room, they'd moved the dead body that was in the attic to her, her room to hide it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and that, that makes her scream. So the police hear her scream as they're leaving, but at this point, they just mm. think she's, you know, off her rocks. <laughs> and Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's a, it is an I think conceptually, it's a really effective moment where it's like, oh, okay, he convincingly tells the police that this woman is just crazy and that she's under his care. And because he is a, mm. a you know, he's he's a licensed therapist. He had a practice. He has documentation showing that a woman who looks exactly like her uh, with her haircut and everything is that. <laughs> the one thing that's not great about this, though, is that once the husband and her brother, who's with the husband, have went looking mm. for her and they find the town and they get the goldfish at the gas station and they realize this is where she is, they go to the police station and he's like, hey, here's some photos that I took of my wife before she left because he's a photographer, so he was taking a bunch of photos. Mm-hmm. And he's like, hey, look, that's my wife. She's at this place with this psychiatrist. And the policeman who were at the house and saw her said, wait, this is your wife? No, that's not the woman we saw. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, hold on. Movie. Either she looks identical to this previous woman that it'll trick her sister... Mm-hmm. And therefore, this policeman <laughs> would recognize that this is the same woman, or you're, t- or you're telling me she's not instantly recognizable as the same woman, yeah. and that this is like a Clark Kent thing. We're just changing her hair has made her completely unrecognizable to this policeman. I mean, I don't, I don't know. You see, the your wife has curly hair, <laughs> and the, the woman up there, she kind of had a, a shorter, straight hair. You know, it's a, it's a two different women, two different women. I, I this is my problem though is that I, either way would have been fine but the fact that the movie has some characters thinking no this mm. is definitely like all these different women are the same person because they look that much alike but in this scene <laughs> her different haircut is convinced this policeman no they're two different women that's, that's not her that's not who we saw uh, yeah. <laughs> so yeah that, that felt really stupid because the entire premise of this movie up until this point is that these women are identical so the fact that he's mistaking the woman that is the same woman as not being the mm. same woman is absolutely absurd. And it's not until the husband mm-hmm. says, they cut off her finger for Christ's sakes, but they both look at each other and go, wait a minute, she had a cut off finger. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> so that's how he convinces the police to take them to the house. Uh, they're too late to actually help her. She has to like, you know, mm-hmm. kill everyone herself first before they get there. But right. <laughs> you know, they, they do eventually show up. The end of the movie is them getting mm-hmm. there and like taking her away to safety. So... Yeah. arresting her for murder <laughs> <laughs> yes uh she has because ki- basically the, the final part of the movie is that the mm. sister who's also played by mary steenbergen comes to the house to pay the blackmail money or whatever it is and they show her her sister who's lying doped up on the bed but it's obviously really her main character and she's basically you know, she's this sort of rich woman with a fur coat and she's got the fur hat on and she's very cold and you know evil basically <laughs> and <laughs> she's clearly wants to kill these men instead she doesn't want to actually give them what they want she's just trying to like stab the old man in the back when he's not looking but of course yeah and this is the sad part is that i actually think the premise of the ending is quite fun which is that mm. our main character get actually encounters the the villain woman here the sister Mm-hmm. and gets into a fight and we don't see the end of the fight but then the next time we see the evil sister 
we i think most of the audience will immediately go oh no 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 that's the, she's pretending to be the the sister mm-hmm. this is actually our main character who is now using this like appearance being the same as an advantage uh right. so she's now wearing the fur coat and she's wearing the fur hat and she stashed the dead body of the black mm-hmm. male sister into the there's like a sort of compartment into the cou- in the couch and i was like Damn, you know what? See if this was a fun movie. This would be such a good climax is her turning the tables on them by using the same trick Absolutely. that they were trying to use yeah. on the on the villain. Or the other villain, I should say, because they're obviously the mm-hmm. villains. But that's actually a fun idea. And she actually kills Roddy McDowell with this trickery. She, she's like demanding to mm-hmm. find her sister. And Roddy McDowell's like taking her around the house and showing different places. And just as he notices, because uh, she's got her hand in her pocket the whole time to hide the finger... Uh, just as he notices that she stabs him and it's like this would be a fun death except for some reason they decide to have no blood despite the fact that there's three wounds that would be have blood coming out of them yeah uh in terms of like gore and stuff it it is a very bloodless movie which again probably you know kind of adds a, a little bit to it maybe you know, um, being a bit dull, but I mean, I'm, I mean, obviously, it's not a movie that you want like Evil Dead level. Yeah, I'm not asking anything, for a, but... a splatter movie here, but he gets so yeah. he, he tries to block a stab, right? So he ends up getting his own mm-hmm. hand stabbed up to his neck, right? So the blade's going through his hand, coming out the other side, and then get into his neck, and somehow, mm-hmm. in the long shot of him falling backwards in that position, there's not a single dribble of blood coming from anywhere, yeah. and that just felt really weird and like no there's no no Mm -hmm. look there's no way there wouldn't be some blood coming out of that i think there's a little bit of blood on the pillow when his body's found by the old man a little bit later but it's not much it's like i feel like there should be a lot of blood coming out of that wound but you know absolutely yeah 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 it just makes it feel like yeah just not as really violent uh, as it should be or as impactful as it should be yeah again i'm not asking like I would be fine if they didn't even show it. If they just cut away to her reaction or something, it would feel mm-hmm. in line with the type of movie it is. But they did chose to linger on him falling down with this blade in his hand mm-hmm. and neck. So it's really weird that there was mm-hmm. no blood. So they, they uh, shot themselves in the foot with how they chose to cover it, I guess. But yeah. it's not like uh, they were It would for... be really funny if his... <laughs> or I, I, I think it would be funny if, like, just this one scene it just turned into like an nc-17 level like <laughs> gore fest where it's just like a hose of blood <laughs> spraying all over mary seenbergen yeah well uh, that's the thing it's not even like this is a pg-13 and they had to like try and be tame mm. i'm sure this is probably still r-rated they just chose not to have any blood for whatever reason so yeah i don't know weird uh <laughs> but it is what it is uh and then I never really had a problem with her being held captive by these two characters because you did have Roddy McDowell mm-hmm. up and able and able to do everything. I think where it felt a bit weird to me is when she starts like having like a fight in a chase with the old man who's been in a wheelchair the whole movie and he starts like mm-hmm. basically walking with like a fire poker as if it's a cane and he's only slowly kind of lumbering around. But <laughs> she's, she's still the one that's being chased by him the entire time and it kind of felt like I mean, I feel like if you wanted to take this old bastard, you probably could. He's very yeah. immobile. <laughs> like he's not—he's not, he's not the, the the most threatening. And he does kind of have a fun over-the-top death where, after she stabs him in the back in the attic, um, she tricks him by having the dead body of the original victim 
uh, in like a cupboard. And mm-hmm. because she's been made to look like her, it looks just like her, uh, except the fact that it's really fake looking. But that's, you know, in the movie, it's meant yeah. to look real. Uh, she stabs him in the back and then it's been set up that he's like a, he used to be a hunter. But the cop earlier on pointed out that, well, he wasn't much of a hunter if he had to use these big bear traps to, to do it. Uh, so mm-hmm. he does step in a bear trap, one of his own bear traps at the end of the movie. Uh, and it was mildly funny. Like, I was like, this could be way funnier if they tried to make it funnier, but they didn't. So mm-hmm. it just kind of feels a little bit drab. Uh, yeah. Which is a shame. Fucking punch. Everything lacks punch in this movie. Not enough punch. Very true. Yeah. Or juice. Yeah. Not enough juice. Whatever, whatever word you want to use. Pizzazz. <laughs> Pizzazz. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> um, yeah. No, I mean, it's a shame because, yeah, a lot of stuff when you break it down, it's like, you know, this does sound like kind of a cool little movie, but it just, you know, like anything, it just kind of comes down to the execution. And, um, you know, like, like we said, it's not the worst thing in the world. Like, you know, it's perfectly fine, middle of the road kind of thing if you want to check it out. But, um yeah it's just nothing about it is doing that look going that extra mile to you know make it more memorable or noteworthy or anything yeah it could have done more with its setting it could have done more with the winter theme and even this sort of fun play on like oh they're trying to make her look someone else and then she turns the tables on them by looking Mm -hmm. like someone else to them to trick them that that sounds really good like when you say it out loud like that it actually sounds like Mm -hmm. a really fun premise for a movie and maybe the fact that it's taken itself so absurdly serious is part of the problem um or or maybe it's fine that it takes itself seriously if it was just like a more engaging uh piece of direction but either way it's it's missing something it's just missing the spark to actually mm-hmm. give it the life that it needs and i, I do think it is down to stale in direction because i think the cast are perfectly solid mm-hmm. the premise is convoluted but could be fun i, I don't think it's a problem i, I think it is just mm-hmm. down to the direction and how the materials handled so um yeah we keep we've said middle of the road and like kind of just <laughs> dull like a lot in this so i feel like i can predict roughly what number we're going to land on here but mm-hmm. if you'd like to rate dead of winter tim <laughs> um yeah i mean yeah not not to get too re- repetitive but you know pretty much you know everything we said so far is you know um there's stuff that could be potentially really cool about it um but yeah just kind of you know shoots itself in the foot or i guess bear traps itself in the foot uh, by <laughs> you know just and, and again like you know it's it it's um like you said the you know director is obviously has some chops he you know, has done some you know pretty famous memorable stuff uh in the past so you know, I don't want to put it squarely on him. I mean, maybe it's a budget thing. Maybe it was a timing thing that maybe they had to kind of rush it out or for, who, who knows for whatever reason that, you know, it, it ends up the way it ends up. But um, it's almost kind of more frustrating than, you know, sometimes you watch like a really bad movie that just never had any chance of, you know, being good. And uh, it kind of stinks because you can see the possible potential in this. But, you know, when you hear some of those story beats and, um yeah seeing like you know the people that they had to work with like it could have potentially been um you know pretty cool uh another thing you didn't really touch on uh, again probably just because it was pretty you know unmemorable but um you know the music wasn't really doing much for me anyway you know i don't either. even it's, remember any music to be honest <laughs> which is yeah you know probably the you know issue <laughs> you know it, it doesn't make much of an impact 
Um, but again, you know, you think about someone like Carpenter or something like you add like a, you know, a priest, like little synth score or something to this, just something like that to just, to just to, you know, juice it up a little bit. Yeah. Could, uh, yeah, could have been a lot, lot better, but like you said, very middle of the road. So I'm going to have to give it a, a very middle of the road score. Um, I think I'll bump it up just a, just a touch and give it a 5.5, which, so I guess it's maybe just slightly better than something that's completely you know down the road middle of the pack or whatever but yeah not by very much and and i guess that little extra nudge just kind of goes to maybe some of the crazier plot points that you know sounded kind of cool or you know some of the performances or you know even if it's not the best movie uh, i i always enjoy spending time with mary steenburgen you know she's a <laughs> you know a fun <laughs> a fun actress so uh-huh i'll go with 5.5 <laughs> um yeah, I think one of the things that we didn't really talk about as well is that they mentioned that Mr. Murray, the Roddy McDowell character, was also a former patient of the psychiatrist, and mm-hmm. they don't really do a whole lot with him. He's just kind of a servant to him, and there's the mm-hmm. one moment before he dies where he sort of yells out and acts a little bit crazy, like he's almost doing like a bit of a Norman Bates kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I, I did really feel like, oh, we could have done so much more with this. The idea that this guy is a potential serial killer... That this mm. this therapist is using as his as henchman, like he's manipulating him to be his henchman to kill for him to do crazy things for him. Like there's a lot you could probably do with that, and the movie doesn't really do anything yeah. with it. So uh, add that to the list of interesting concepts that the movie just kind of lets go. So evil therapist uh, slasher <laughs> could be really cool. It's interesting. Yeah, instead of killing <laughs> anyone himself, he just convinces all of his crazy patients to to go kill people. There's an idea there. <laughs> Don't mind that. But, Trademark. uh, yeah, I, I'm just going to go to straight five. I, I think it is, this is the definition of a five out of ten to me. It's it's not bad. It's not good. It's got ideas, but it's just very dry. Um, but there's enough there to not give it a negative score, though, as well. So five out of ten, pretty straight down, straightforward, I should say. So Yeah, yeah. There you go. That's the... That's Dead of Winter. Uh, sorry we didn't have a more interesting movie planned for you. Uh, I could tell you that coming up over the next, well, several months actually, we'll be mm-hmm. largely doing 2023 movies before we finally get to our top 10 horror movies of 2023, which will come probably early April, which I know does seem a little bit late, but it gives us time mm-hmm. to get through all the major things that we should see before we decide to make that list. So mm-hmm. that's the real award season is is when we decide it's a worse season. So that's true. Yeah, the screamies. The screamies, yes. Uh so there's a <laughs> by the time this goes out there will be a vote up for Patreon. Uh, the vote for January is a bunch of 2023 movies, so that they'll decide what what one of those that we'll be doing. Um the votes for the following months probably won't be that. Those will probably be the only episodes in mm-hmm. February and March that aren't 2023 movies are the ones that were voted for, but everything else will be. So uh, hopefully you're, you're looking forward to an Exorcist Believer review, you're looking forward to a Saw 11, you're <laughs> looking forward to a Five Nights at Freddy's, you're looking forward to whatever else came out that I can't think of off the top of my head but it was a bunch, so Winnie the Pooh, Blooded Honey No, we're not doing that one, Tim, I told you <laughs> I told you, maybe it's a bonus episode that's the only way that one's getting done There might be a boner 
<laughs> between Boner for the bonus episodes and then Boko for anything else that's extra for Patreons, you're really coming up with all these stupid terms. Oh, you're, you're just like anti-Bo. <laughs> you say anything that starts with, with Bo. <laughs> that's the show, everyone. Uh, we did mention earlier, you can support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash TV. Help the podcast keep coming. And of course, uh, you get a bonus episode every month at any tier. And we are thinking of something else that will kind of replace even more streams now that we're doing uh, an extra, we're doing we're doing more episodes instead of of even more streams. Mm-hmm. But there is something to kind of replace that that is that is being discussed. So uh, look forward to that coming beginning early January. Why are you smirking so much? Why why what's so funny about this to you? Oh, I just had an idea for something we could do. Oh, God. No, 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 no. All right. Uh... Hint, a sci-fi show. <laughs> We've already got a sci-fi show. Not one that we do, though. You don't have time for another show, Tim. <laughs> yeah, maybe, uh, well, you, you could explain <laughs> the movie to me. I could just go like, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've got a replacement host on S, Tim. Mm-hmm. The, 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 the experiment continues. <laughs> I can't believe I wasn't even offered the gig. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thank you for watching, everyone. This has been mm. Screams After Midnight. We'll see you next time. Keep watching scary movies. Goodbye. Oh, and Happy New Year.